This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 9.03 a.m. and you are listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And this is Aurora Weather, the second largest city's first daily weather report. The weather, of course, comes from the National Weather Service of Chicago, delivered to you here on Good Morning Aurora. Unseasonably mild and dry through week's end is what we can expect. Now, a lot of you will be delighted with the temperatures that I am going to elucidate to you. The word of the day is elucidate. Today, we can expect a daytime high of 44 degrees, a daytime low of 40 degrees. Tonight, 36 degrees will be the nighttime high, 34 degrees for the nighttime low. What do we notice in the nighttime? Not a single drop of rain. Cloudy tonight. That cloudiness takes us into tomorrow morning, 52 degrees for the daytime high, 44 degrees for the daytime low. A mostly cloudy day tomorrow. A little bit of sun will peak out for us. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, we can expect 36 degrees for a nighttime high, 33 degrees for a nighttime low. Going into Friday, 48 degrees for the daytime high, 40 degrees for the daytime low. Now, barbecue, slow down. You'll get there. Friday night, we can expect 36 degrees for a nighttime high, 32 degrees for a nighttime low. Cloudy conditions continue Friday night. They take us into Saturday morning, which looks to be a very overwhelmingly sunny day. A little bit of clouds on Saturday, 52 degrees for the daytime high, 42 degrees for the daytime low on Saturday. Saturday night, 35 degrees for the day, uh, excuse me, nighttime high, 31 degrees for the nighttime low on Saturday. Going into Sunday, 50 degrees for the daytime high on Sunday, 42 degrees for the daytime low on Sunday. A mostly sunny day on Sunday as well. Now, as we get into Sunday night, 35 degrees for the nighttime high, 30 degrees for the nighttime low. What do we notice about the nighttime temperatures? They're pretty consistent, right? 35s and 36s all the way around. So we can expect really nice temperatures, nice and mild and cool on the nighttime. Let's recap once again today 44 degrees for the daytime high 40 degrees for the daytime low mostly cloudy today but that's all right tomorrow 52 degrees for the daytime high 44 degrees for the daytime low mostly cloudy on thursday friday 48 degrees for the daytime high 40 degrees for the daytime low mostly cloudy on friday a little bit of sun taking us into saturday 52 degrees for the daytime high 42 degrees for the daytime low, mostly sunny on Saturday and taking us into the sunniest of sunny days, Sunday, 50 degrees for the daytime high, 42 degrees for the daytime low. That is your weather report here on Good Morning Aurora. One more piece of information for you guys. Today is Wednesday. Don't forget that our friends of Bartwell Residences have the Dementia Support Group taking place the last Wednesday of each month, 5 to 6 p.m. 301 Weston Avenue is the location. Beth Fisher is a medical social worker who works for ALC Hospice. She believes that hospice can promote dignity and compassion for the people she serves and provide comfort and support for the families she cares for. Beth has a master's degree in social work from Aurora University and has worked in the hospice field since 2018. You must RSVP. The number to do so is 630-892-5790. The number again is 630-892-5790. We have a great show for you guys this morning. Our friends of Kane 
County, both the state's attorney's office and the sheriff's office in town to 10th are here to talk to us about the Kane County Collaborative you guys can't even see me mess that up, so that's okay. Collaborative Diversion Program. Get ready for a great show. Let's do it. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 9.06 a.m. and you are listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It's Wednesday, the 31st of January. Uh, we have a great show for you guys today and a fantastic discussion. Continuing with our uh, talks with law enforcement, we have the Kane County State's Attorney's Office, the Kane County Sheriff's Office is well represented, and Talented 10th. So we'll be talking today about the Kane County Collaborative Diversion program. Uh, you guys have seen us mention it uh, many times, so we're, gonna, we're going to uh, delve into it in depth today. My first guest is Mr. Daryl Pass um, with us. How are you, sir? Good morning, Curtis. How are you? All right. Got that very white voice going on. <laughs> really cool. I like that. Kane County State's Attorney Jamie Mosser. Good morning. The opposite of the very white voice. How <laughs> Good to see you. Natalie Bonner, who is the Executive Director of Talented 10th, founder and creator. Right. Great day to everyone. Okay. And Loviana Fields of the Kane County Sheriff's Office. Hello. How are you? All right. All right. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Kane County Collaborative Diversion Program. Now, this is one of many initiatives and different programs offered by the Kane County State's Attorney's Office. So I think a good place to start off with, and we'll start with you, Jamie, is how did the diversion program come about and, um, you know, what role does it serve in Kane County? Good questions. Uh, so when I was running for office in 2020, I knocked on thousands of doors. 
And I talked about how much we want to get to the root of the criminal justice problem and we want to help people get out. And everybody kept saying, well, it would be great if there was some way that instead of going into the system and getting treatment there, there was a way to get to the treatment without going through the system. And that's a great idea, and it seemed like a logical thing that we should have. And I did some research, and obviously I knew we did not have that here in Kane County. But then I found a program called LEAD, which is Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion, that started out of Seattle, Washington, and then is in multiple states now. And the whole concept is that law enforcement is in a great position to see people who have a need. And oftentimes that need is related to mental health issues, a lack of resources, substance use issues, plain stupidity sometimes. Mm -hmm. And law enforcement's tool was to arrest, bring them to the jail, bring them to the courthouse, and then we took over from there. Oftentimes it was months before the case was resolved till anybody got any real treatment or real access to resources. And so LEAD changed that because officers could then refer people to case managers. Now these are always low level nonviolent. I want to use your word of the day because I want to elucidate this for everybody. Oh, thank you. Nice way to use it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people think this is just uh, giving people a break sure. and not holding them accountable. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. So what happens is these are people who genuinely need help. And as a result of something that's going on in their lives that they can't control, they become involved with the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Officers have discretion to not make arrests. And I have to tell you, a lot of officers choose not to make arrests. If a person is stealing food just to put food on their table, officers don't make arrests all the time for retail theft. They don't bring them over. Sometimes they say, we're not going to do this now. Get yourself help. But if you don't know how to get yourself that help, then this is a cycle. Right. And so this program means officers can exercise the discretion that they've been exercising for years. They can refer somebody to our free grant-funded case managers between my office and the sheriff's office, and these are people who help them where they are. And so the description of what that means for the where they are is for the rest of this panel because they really live it, they really feel it, they really understand how we make a person understand that they are worthy because for a long time, given what's happened to them, they haven't. Right. Right. Uh, well, very well said. And I did want to just um, add one more kind of flag in the discussion. Um, as mentioned, this is not to replace law enforcement efforts whatsoever. What it is, is, is it's dealing with the individual. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Kane County resident, the citizen of Aurora should definitely feel safe knowing that law enforcement is still going on. Absolutely. Law enforcement continues to make arrests, especially mm -hmm. for people who are violent offenders, gun sure. offenders, people who are dealing drugs, domestic violence, DUI. Law enforcement is still doing their job. Right. What we're looking at is people who are committing these low-level, nonviolent crimes who just need help. Right. And again, this is officer-driven also. So the officer is the one who says, I think that you need help. Right. I think that you can benefit from this program more than what an arrest would do. And statistically, 58% of the people who go through a program like this are more likely to succeed and not commit any further crimes than those who go through our criminal justice system. So it works. Nice. Um, so now we're going to get some more insights from our other great panel guests. And uh, we will start with Daryl. Daryl, what is your involvement in this fantastic program? And what has it been traditionally with the uh, State's Attorney's Office? Because we've interviewed you before as well. Absolutely. Well, let me further elucidate. Everybody has to here. use that word now. That, even you at home. Even Absolutely. you at home. Absolutely. Even you at home. Absolutely. So, you know, let me start by uh, 
sharing what attracted me uh, to this program. I'm a person with personal lived expertise. And what that means is when I was out immersed in substances, I used heroin daily for 23 years, used and sold, been to prison, been to lockup many times. I mean, law enforcement interactions for me uh, at that time were frequent. This type of situation was not available when I was in my adversity. And so um, when I would get locked up, I would come right back out and do the same thing I was doing because I'd suffered the consequences, but nothing was done about the problem, right. the issue that I have. And we can't continue to treat substance use disorder and mental health from a consequential standpoint. We have to look at the why. There is a reason why an individual is using substances and embracing these uh, criminal behaviors. So many people that I know who were caught up in the system, they never committed a violent crime. They were immersed in substance use. And many of them, especially today, you have to understand that substance use and mental health go hand in hand. So to have a collective such as this where we have changed the narrative we're trying to change the narrative mm -hmm. in uh, approaching individuals to meet them where they're at. Everyone doesn't just deserve to be arrested, going from the judge, and have these consequences that's going to further hinder them. Right. Because in that process, when you're locking someone up who struggles with substance use and mental health, you're just putting that situation on hiatus. Mm -hmm. right. You haven't addressed anything. Right. So, again, as a person who's lived that who's been racial profile by law enforcement and through my own um, issues have come in contact with them. Again, this type of situation is something that is much needed. And I'm so appreciative to be a part of it. As a chairman on this and my co-chair and the staff, along with Jamie Mosser and, and Sheriff Hain, we're trying to do something to um, deflect individuals from just going into the system, being more of a, a impactful piece to eradicate just instantly putting the individual in handcuffs. Very well said. Very yeah, well said. So. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to just um, ask you as well to talk about your involvement um, in the program as well, and then we're going to get um, some words for Loviana. Okay, wonderful. Well, I am the co chair of the program, and I'm involved because I'm involved in the community. And what happens within the community matters to me because I have children, I'm a mom, and I'm a human. And my focus is on the human aspect. No matter what hat you wear, when you leave your home in the morning, right. you're still a human at the end of the day. And so if we start there and start looking at everyone as being human, it's a big help. And with these opportunities of closing the gap of mistrust between the police and the community mm -hmm. and the community and the police, I wanted to make sure that I was involved and in the know to what's going on uh, for a couple of reasons. I work with both demographics. Mm -hmm. I work with everybody. If you're unhoused, I'm going to work with you and treat you with respect. If you're the state's attorney, mm -hmm. I'm going to work with you and treat you with respect. And I feel like once we all get to that point, we'll be better off. And sometimes it just takes examples and seeing it work because we've been programmed to do things for such a long time right. and to accept things as they have been for such a long time. Whenever change is involved, 
you can trust and believe that I'm going to be around it. So two things that we will come back to, two themes that you'll hear about a lot is the um, uh, the working together with the community and law enforcement and kind of building that relationship or strengthening it and then also meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And then we're going we're gonna to learn more. The folks are going to learn about Talented Tent today, too. Um, you guys have seen them on the show for those longtime fans, so we're going to be le learning about that as well. Loviana, please tell us how the Kane County Sheriff's Office is uh, assisting, helping, and being part of this and the, the, uh, the roots of the teamwork. Um, so I am the community engagement coordinator for the, the organization or the initiative. I go out and build relationships with the different police departments within Kane County. I also build the relationships with members of the community, such as Daryl and Natalie, and there are many other organizations. Um, even such as um, the Prisco Center, we have relationships with them because they deal with a lot of the homeless population, people with mental illness and substance abuse. Um, the sheriff's office is part of the collaboration. Our officers down at the sheriff's, they use KCCD, Kane County, Kane County Collaborative Diversion when they need to. Yeah. Um, sheriff uh, Ron Hain was a big proponent of it as well and partnered with Jamie to make this happen. Um, and that's why I joined it is I saw a county that was doing something for the people and seeing a state's attorney and a sheriff that um, cared about the actual people and wanted to make a difference was um, enlightening and opening. And I was like, I had to be a part of this. Enlightening is a good way to put it. It hits different. It does. When you, when you see it. Yes. And you see it's not just because of the month when it's actually taking place like consistently all of the time. It, it does. And I think, um, so to, to what you mentioned as well, Daryl, and, and uh, State Attorney, we talked about this too. I think that for the people who've always been cynical, that's who you need to move. The naysayer, the doubter. Um, once that needle starts to move, a lot of good things happen um, in the community. So I like when I see the, the relationship and the, and the fostering. Um, so we're in a brand new year now, 2024. What are the uh, top three priorities for the KCCD um, this year? My biggest priority is I want to have the partnership with the Aurora Police Department okay. and the King County Collaborative Diversion because there's so much need here in Aurora. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last night I was at the Vaughn Center because my kid plays volleyball and she's out of there. There was a police presence there because what I believe was a homeless person was in one of the locker rooms and he was being escorted out. Then as I'm driving away, that person is still walking down the street that situation of him being homeless wasn't resolved. Now, the situation of him being in the locker room was clearly resolved because he was moved, but he wasn't given any more help, so where was he going to go? I want to partner with Aurora because I would love a case manager to have been called out there, the case manager to have talked to the individual, to find out what was going on, to find out what the needs were, to see if they had a place to go, somewhere warm to be for the night so that they're not just going to another place where law enforcement is going to be called on him mm -hmm. and he will be escorted out again. So that's my number one priority this year is to get that partnership so that Aurora has another tool to use to help the community in the best way they possibly can. How goes the work with the partnership so far? We are in a lot of discussions. Okay. We've had a lot of meetings. Uh, last year, we had the people from the LEAD Bureau come out, and we had a great meeting with our mayor, our deputy mayor, the chief, the deputy chief, and their command staff. 
the people uh, in collaborative diversion because it, it really is collaborative. So it's myself in my office, mm -hmm. we have our case managers, we have the sheriff's office, the case managers, and then we also have the health department. And so it's working with the police departments. I think it's going to happen. Part of it is proof. Over the last couple of years, we've taken on test cases for Aurora to show them how this works, and those have been really successful test cases. And I will continue to prove that this is exactly the way we need to go. Yeah, and the um, Elgin has um, has established uh, this as well, and I think from what I've seen, I've not seen one negative story mm -hmm. out of it yet. There hasn't been one where we tried but incident, right. and I think that's kind of a testament to how the program is running. And it is. There will be that, though. Sure. And that's the thing that I try to tell people is that in everything that you try, there's going to be some failures with it. Mm -hmm. But the successes far outweigh the failures. Right. And again, in this concept, and I'd really love, probably Lovey, to describe the where they are concept. What we're trying to do is to help the person mm -hmm. and not just the generality. Right. In my court system, I have a file. I look at the file. There's a crime that's charged on it. And we oftentimes just stop right there. And that's not the best way to do it. And that's not how I have been redoing things within our court system. This is even more expansive because it really holistically helps people. So I'm going to put that over to you to talk about how we really look at a person and how we help them. Um, so our case managers meet people where they are physically as well. They will come out to you. They sit down. They take that time to get to know you, see what it is that you need help with. And we have connections with great resources. I have seen our case manager supervisor Chris um, based off of who he knew at Hesed House get someone in Hesed House immediately so these connections that we make are very important we're taking that time to get to know people and see what they really need um, it's not a one shoe fits all we really want to help the individual and that's how we get our success it's not like some programs or initiatives where there's numbers and you figure it out is our success is based on the person if you we're using every day and now you haven't used in a week or longer, that's a success. Mm -hmm. And it's to, to be celebrated. If you've never been employed and now you have steady employment, that is a success. It is. Um, so those are our goals, is just to help people get to where they need to be accomplished goals. The time is 9.24 a.m. and you are listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We're here with a fantastic panel of Arcane County partners, law enforcement, state's attorney's office, and of course, talented 10th social services as well. Um, what comes to mind, and I, and I wanted to um, kind of take people through the process is, so if, if I've been you know, a victim of recidivism, right? I've had some issues. I've, I've been in and out, in and out. Um, depending on what my um, charge may have been with meeting law enforcement this time. So for example, um, you know, I've just been out with miscellaneous drug paraphernalia. Now I have that interaction with law enforcement. Um, jail time is definitely a possibility, but if I've, if I've gone through the program and I'm successfully working with the like-minded partners and having some interactions with the Kane County Sheriff's Office. I'm showing that I am working towards helping and bettering myself. Um, is there the potential for my charges to be amended or lessened? How does that kind of thing work? So the goal of collaborative diversion is for the person not to be arrested or charged okay. at all. All right. So, okay. However, we have had people who have been arrested and charged, mm -hmm. and we've actually put them into the collaborative diversion program. They've shown these efforts, these successes, and we have dismissed 
the case against okay. them. In King County, we have a three-track system. So if you're a low-level, low-risk, um, low-risk, low-need individual, mm -hmm. we have programs for you. If you're a moderate-risk, moderate-need, that's really where the collaborative diversion kicks in. If you're high-risk, high-need, we have specialty courts. So right. we try to treat every person based on their risk level and their need level. Now, if they are high-risk, low-need, that means they're a criminal trying to hurt people. Right. They're dealt with in the court system in the appropriate way. Okay. What we try to do is work with everybody. So let's use you as the example. You um, came upon law enforcement because you were possessing drugs. They mm -hmm. sent you over to our case manager. Our case manager supervisor, Chris, was working with you. Mm -hmm. But you're still having some stumbling down the road. Law enforcement sees that. Well, they go to meetings with our people, and they say, hey, look, Curtis, we saw him again. This is what's happening. This is communicated to your case manager, Chris, who comes out and helps you further and says, what do you need? What's going on with it right now? Okay. Because what we know is that the hope is that you won't use anymore. Right. But we recognize that people are going to have stumbles. They are going to potentially continue to use, but we use that harm reduction approach. You're not using by schools, so you're not leaving needles or doing something like that. You are not trespassing at business places, so that businesses constantly have to call. Instead, what we're trying to do is say, let's make sure that what you're, you have clean needles, you have, you're not endangering yourself further, mm -hmm. that you're not causing problems for the community, you're being safe and healthy as we walk you down a path, hopefully, towards sobriety. The time is 9.27 a.m., and uh, this conversation is very good, very intense, and it's definitely going to continue. We're going to take a small break and go to a commercial. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion about the Kane, Can me, ah, Kane County Collaborative Diversion Program and our guests of Kane County Law Enforcement. Don't go away. The Community Foundation was created by a group of people who got together and wanted to make a difference. 75 years later, the Community Foundation makes a huge impact on the lives of hundreds if not thousands of people in the community. All started with the small but promising beginnings of just a few people who wanted to do something good. The Community Foundation is made up of all the citizens, really, who want a better community. And really anyone who wants to do good in the community but doesn't know how to do it, the Community Foundation is the perfect solution because for 75 years we've been making an impact by connecting donors that care with causes that matter. So it's multifaceted and it's an organization that isn't there just to serve a certain small constituency or a special need, but rather the community as a whole. So many generous donors have left a legacy with us because we are a trusted resource and we make being philanthropic an easy task. In my mind, it always seemed like a really complicated process. Here, it's, it's just effortless. The Community Foundation does all the administrative work for you. I just make a phone call, they're on it, they, they get back to me right away. It's been seamless. Our scholarship program is just incredible. I had no idea the impact that the foundation has on these kids. You know, some of these districts that we're working with here are some of the neediest districts in the state. It renews your faith in humanity, you know. I was the first one ever in my family to go to college. The scholarship from the Community Foundation has impacted my life and my wife's life in many ways. As you can see, it still brings a tear to my eye. Without their assistance, we can't do the work that we are meant to do for the citizens of the Fox River Valley community. You can invest your money in people. You invest it in people and you hope and believe 
that the return will be great. Someone opened the door for you at some point in your life, and it's incumbent upon you, it's your duty to help open the door for others, and you do that through service. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, and we are back. Good morning to you all. We're here with our partners and friends of Kane County and also Talented 10th Social Services to talk about the Kane County Collaborative Diversion Program. I want to say good morning to Vanessa Ann Calderon, Shelly Massey, Josie Mendoza-Geller, Paul Dominguez, and uh, Yvonne of the Cottonseed Creative Exchange, Josue Pais, Daniel Calderon, who will be doing the weather with us here tomorrow, so don't stay, uh, stay tuned for that. And also Tracy Duran, good morning to you. Shelly has something to say, and I want to uh, bring this up, and we're going to actually go back to this. Harm reduction and mental health care need to be on the forefront of our communities. Everyone deserves dignity. Let's come back to the harm reduction part. Daryl, um, you want to piggyback off what uh, State's Attorney Monster said? One of the things we, we need to understand is harm reduction is anything that lessens the impact of harm on an individual. So when we speak about substance use, you know, again, when you, when you say meet people where they're at, I come across individuals who don't want to stop using. They want to be able to drink socially. However, they're at a place in their life where they have trauma mm -hmm. and they haven't been able to work through that. So... It's very difficult. I'm the senior manager of recovery support services at Kenneth Young Center. And one of my biggest responsibilities is harm reduction. And with that, uh, the biggest impact I have on folks who use opioids. And I do that through Narcan training and distribution. The biggest piece is reducing the stigma and increasing the knowledge surrounding substance use disorder. Because most folks, most folks think that when you use, you know, right away you go to the label, crackhead, dopamine, you're a loser, you're no good, you know, you're lazy, you're not trying. That's not true. Folks who struggle with substance use, there is a why. Mm -hmm. Because the substances are not the problem. They're a solution to your problem. Right. And we miss that. The harm reduction piece is we have to get to a place where we're making folks safe. So we also distribute and do needle exchange, clean syringes. I work very closely with what's known as Tent City in Elgin, okay. our shelterless population. A lot of those folks, they don't want to come indoors. They have a government in, in that area where they do their own thing. However, they need harm reduction supplies. And it's not just for substances. We also issue safe sex supplies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We teach. We get them to a place where they are okay, but folks who are really not privy to understanding really that substance use disorder is a disease. I don't, this is my personal thing, I don't, I'm not one who advocates for it being compared to cancer because I've seen firsthand what cancer does. But Curtis, if you, because if you go to the doctor, your healthcare professional, and you get a fatal diagnosis, all you can do is get your affairs in order. Mm -hmm. 
With substance use disorder, you have an opportunity if you take the help to recover. But we have to put folks in a place where they're not stigmatized, they're safe to bring them along. And we do that through a myriad of ways, and that is the wraparound services. Because right. you can't go to the individual and say, you're going to stop. We're going to lock you up. You know, We're going to put these consequences. That's not going to work. Right, right. So you get them safe. And I'll tell you something. I come from a certain background of abstinence when I first started out in this work. And I found out that's not it. When I first got, got sober myself, it was, you know, go to treatment, go to outpatient, need to go to outpatient and get to a 12-step meeting. That's no longer the continuum of care. Harm reduction is on there. Recovery is a huge piece. And in recovery, you meet people where they're at mm -hmm. through patience, through guidance, through understanding, through trust, because that's a huge piece. And sometimes, you know, there's casualties with this. Right. Sometimes you just can't help that individual. But most people do want that. Right. And you have to build that connection with them to help them out. You can't go into it with your perception that I'm going to stop you. No, I'm going to be here for you. I'll listen to you. I'll help. But there are boundaries. Right, right. We have to make sure because, listen, when we're not in our, our adversity, we're some of the biggest liars, manipulators, right. you know, on the planet. But there's boundaries there. I'm going to help you as best I can to keep you safe. Right. And hopefully through that approach, we pull more people in. And I like what you stated, Natalie, about that connection with law enforcement, trying to bridge that right um i wanted to let's take it to natalie uh next and uh natalie uh tell us about that connection the bridge with law enforcement but also talented 10th well talented 10th of course uh <laughs> stems from w.e.b du bois and if you don't know about him google him okay <laughs> he's a part of the naacp he helped found that and the premise is that for the african-american community there would be 10 percent of us in opportunities or in positions to assist the other 90% and that that was our responsibility to do so. Now I'm summing it up, okay? Mm -hmm. It's much deeper than that. However, that is the premise of my nonprofit Talented Tent Social Services, okay? Social <laughs> Services. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And as far as I, uh, I wanted to talk about Daryl and the wraparound services, that's very important because we're talking about mental health, and recidivism and all of these things but access mm -hmm. is important right how can i focus on my mental health and my stomach is rumbling because i'm hungry and then my ch my children are hungry absolutely how can i focus on my mental health and i'm unhoused yes. right how can i go apply for an, a, jo a job even though there are tons of job opportunities available but i'm depressed because i don't have anywhere to stay right or i don't have the proper clothing for the job I may want, mm -hmm. or I don't know how to do a resume. Yes. So when we have all of these different organizations, and I must say that it is a falsehood that there are not resources out here. Come on, right. Yes. Everybody I know, yes. like uh, literally, yes. everyone I know does something. Right. They're a resource. If somebody comes up to me and asks for a hairstyle, I, I got somebody. Right. You wanna get on a podcast? I got somebody. Right. <laughs> you, need, you need help with trying to get something um, expunged. 
I got somebody. Right. You need Narcan machine. I know somebody. <laughs> right. So and that's and a that's been a big thing in the community. Not it to is. not to stop, but that's been a big thing. It's to, a huge yeah. thing. Yep. And so with us working together, and it's as simple as having conversations with one another yeah. about who you are and what you do and why you do it bringing it right back to the human aspect we need to get off of our egos yep. mm-hmm. and our positions yes. and realize that any one of us could be put in these positions at any time yeah with your consent or not you could be out casually drinking and get drugged right, right? and then you get a dui you didn't know so we have to really be more patient with each other and loving with each other with boundaries, yes. right? But it's gonna take a while. It's taken a while to get to this place, so it's gonna take a while to undo it. But with these steps, the collaboration, the patience, mm-hmm. the kindness, the generosity, and the ability to want to learn more, mm-hmm. it's gonna push us there. Oh yeah. We on our way, yes. we town to 10th, baby. If I may say something real quick, yeah. Um, a lot of my work is in the northwestern suburbs. So uh, I, too, have a non-for-profit, which is New Begins Recovery Mission. It's in Elgin. I have two sober homes attached to that. Okay. Six guys in one, seven in another. And they do very well. I'm connected with uh, different uh, drug courts mm-hmm. that are in need. You, you hit on when Natalie spoke about the Narcan and the vending machines. I've placed five in police stations. Here's the piece that what I'm really looking to do. In the arenas, let me make sure I say this correctly. In the communities of folks of color, there tends to be an unbalance of untreated and underserved mm-hmm. individuals. I was just speaking to Jamie. I'm looking to get Narcan vending machines and Narcan more readily available in this area Mm -hmm. because there is a need. Mm -hmm. The piece to what I don't understand is that you tend to get pushback of a life-saving situation. You would think that everyone would be so on board, especially if it's not costing you anything, to be a part of the solution that's eradicating overdose. Yeah, uh, the, well, we talked about the uh, stigma attached to it. And I think that's what the the big thing is. Which, um, and I just I, this is my uh, way to bring in the uh, sheriff's office here. You know, the thing about the stigma is that um, at one point in time, because that reinforces our own cynicism in our communities. You know, at one point in time, I can remember that sheriff's offices didn't hire people like Loviana, <laughs> and your state's attorney and your sheriff's office wouldn't liaison with a talented 10. Sure, the work might have benefited the community, but the face of it and working with was not that. And I think now when you see law enforcement having a Narcan machine, I never in my life thought that I would see a Narcan machine in a police department? That's crazy, right? Just think. And that's what you spend so many years being you, and it's been one way. So when you start seeing this, you're like, oh, okay. You know, like this is, it, it, it is like, right, like what's really going on? So um, I say all that to say that um, 
the public when we do our one-on-ones with the state's attorney's office. Uh, again, I encourage you guys to click the links on what we're talking about. Check out the program, what we're talking about, because everybody watching this knows somebody who may then know somebody who can benefit from this. That, you know, it's 2024. Nobody is living the life now of exact, uh, of being perfect with no skeletons in the closet or no family member who's suffering. So the time is now to start living better, doing better, acting better, and seeing better and getting better results. State's Attorney. And here's the thing. For how many decades now have we had the philosophy that if you punish the person, you're going to punish away the crime? Right, (laughs) right. We have put hundreds of thousands of people in jail and in prison, and guess what? It didn't work because we still have drug addiction issues. We still have mental health issues that people are then self, they're using the drugs as a result of it. So it failed. Now, we can either continue down the path of something in which we know it's failed and it's not going to work, or we can try something different. Understanding that not every program is going to work, but when they do work, let's keep going with it. Right. And that's one of the things that I have really tried to bring as the state's attorney is that just locking them up and throwing away the key is not going to work for people who have substance use issues. And then there's more trauma that happens. And Mm -hmm. so I talk about this a lot on my show, and I know Curtis loves every single time I bring it up, this ACEs trauma, adverse childhood experiences. Yes, very important. And one of those is for a kid who loses a parent to the system. And so when you're just locking that person up, you know what they're, you're eventually going to call them? A person who's released, your neighbor, coming right back there. We want to get people help. Now, again, and I'm always clear about this on the show, prison is there for a reason because there are some people in our community who will do nothing but cause harm. Right. The best of my prosecutors are on those cases, making sure that those individuals get locked away as long as they can because that's a safety purpose. Right. What we're talking about today is a treatment, a rehabilitative, trying really to get people out of the system, and sometimes trying not to get them even to come into the system at all. And so these childhood traumas deal with kids who watch uh, substance use or see a parent go to the system, witness a divorce, um, witnessing abuse. All of these things cause trauma to the child. And now the child grows up, becomes an adult, and that trauma doesn't go away. Right. And so that trauma is often dealt with in different ways. Natalie, you were talking about the 10% of the people. There's all kinds of studies out there about how trauma affects people. Trauma can affect some people, and they become CEOs of companies. They become, you know, fantastic people. They become state's attorneys. And I've openly talked about the trauma that I've suffered when I was younger. But other people may not have that ability to be able to survive through the trauma. Mm -hmm. Some people coast along, but some people just go to the depths of everything because they don't know how to get help. And the way that you described it, I want a job, but I just can't get out of bed right now. I am so hungry, but now I'm looking at my child and what do I do? The embarrassment, the shame, all of that continues. Programs like this are designed just to help those people mm-hmm. not become a part of the system. Right. It doesn't give them a free pass. It just says, we know you're struggling and let us help you. Right. Yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's not a uh, free pass at all. And as we've talked about with, with Sheriff Hain himself, it's, it's, it's identifying, as you said, who really needs to be in prison and jail. That is a, that, there are two different things that are going on here. Saving people and helping them achieve uh, a, po- a, a positive outcome and putting people in jail 
for serious crimes, the two are coexisting in the um, in the same place. Now, we did have two nice comments here. I want to read. Um, so Josie Mendoza Geller says, don't sell APD short. This is about the uh, uh, working with them. They have implemented the um, uh, crisis intervention unit that brings social workers working with APD. These social workers are following up with individuals there. The need is great. Will we ever have enough resources? That is a excellent question. Uh, will we and ever have enough? to that point, yep. Josie, that's how we work with Aurora Moore. You're right, they have a great program. We've worked with that program, but our case managers are designed to supplement them even more. Okay. So they do have great, we can be the best partner to them. Right, uh, mental health care is important, vital for our communities, yet insurance companies limit care. Individuals should get the care they need for as long as they need. How do we change this narrative? Well, that's what this is about, actually. Um, and Good Morning Aurora is proud, once again, to bring the panel experts on the show to talk about the things with all of us, uh, the community. Okay, um, so I think when it comes, how can people learn more if they're interested about the um, uh, Kane County Collaborative Diversion Program? Go ahead. Um, so we have the website uh, through the state's attorney's office. There's a link for us um, on there, and we have all of the information on there. Okay. Um, some of the local police departments within Kane County have our information. The sheriff's office also has information. Um, and then there are a few community organizations like the Prisco Center that also has our information posted in their lobby and flyers available for individuals. And it's important okay, to know that the, our collaborative diversion is not just a law enforcement referral, it's also a community referral. Right, right. So if you go onto our website or if you partner with one of our community organizations, so let's say you have a family member that's struggling. They don't need to be involved with the law enforcement system, they just need to have, need help you can actually refer that person directly to us and we'll help them whether or not there's any law enforcement. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so time is 9.47 a.m. You're listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Um, okay, good morning to Michelle Gums. Good morning to you, Shelly, Nick, and Kenna Meredith. Good morning to all of you great people. Um, so we, we find ourselves now when it comes to um, the drug situation, okay, um, there are substances have worsened. Mm -hmm. um, opiates and opioids are an issue. Um, also, fentanyl, and um, you know we've we've seen law enforcement's efforts in tackling that and everything. When we meet individuals, or when law enforcement, sheriff's office, when you guys meet people, and there are incidents or trauma or experiences that you that the person's coming up you know, you're meeting this person that you never experienced before. Mm -hmm. um, what happens to that information, that data? I'm sure you guys are using it to your benefit, but, but what happens then with those people or those experiences like, wow, there's an increase in this. Like, I've dealt with four people now mm -hmm. who are suffering from this. Like, what happens with that? So we statistically keep the data across the board, people who are charged with offenses, people who go through collaborative diversion, and we also keep data on what it is that they're using. Because then we use that with the health department, and that's a great partnership we have with the health department, is we can say what we're seeing is a spike of opiate-related overdoses or use in this general area. And then through the health department with their training, their education, their outreach, they try to go there along with our collaborative diversion case managers. Mm -hmm. So we are data driven where we wanna really help people with what is going on and right. not just think, well, cocaine has always been a problem, let's deal with that. Right. 
the opiate issue is ridiculous so much so that it created nationwide lawsuits and illinois was a part of them and kane county was a part of them and as a result kane county will have millions of dollars coming into us to help not only remediate what is happening but also try to abate the issues and let All me right. elucidate this and that was kind of rhyming also nice. um just wanted to th- <laughs> hot fire <laughs> And so what we do is we have money that we can give to programming, that we can give to um, organizations within our community whose goal is to educate about the opiate problems or to treat the issue that's happening. And so people can actually apply for that funding through we have an ad hoc opiate settlement committee, and we meet once a month. Um, we're using that to try to fund ways to get to the level, get closer to dealing with this opiate issue in the ways that we had before. Collaborative diversion and the court system will be able to really identify how much this issue has increased. Okay, all right. The court system has taken a lot, made a lot of changes, a lot of changes. In the Some past. court systems. Some court systems, well said. Yeah, in the past um, five to ten years, mm-hmm. um, been seeing a, a, a lot of differences. Um, I want to talk about the state's attorney, or excuse me, the um, sheriff's office a little bit. So there's a couple other programs going on at the sheriff's office as well. There's a horticulture, there's a painting. It seems like the sheriff's office is taking it upon itself before this even to start transforming the way it does business for the um, uh, individuals there or the residents there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, Yeah, so what Jamie has been doing is kind of trying to get to people before to get into the system. Um, people who are already in the system, in the jails, Ron has, Sheriff Ron has um, different programs in the jail. There's okay. some mental health programs. They do have a garden club. They have chickens. Um, he is doing what he believes um, is best to help people who are already in the system and then getting them services that they need when they get out. Um, they just they passed legislation last year that just took into effect this year that all the all of the counties in Illinois can request for individuals who are being released um, from IDOC within six months to a year to come to the jail, serve the rest of their sentence there. And in that time, he gets them training. He gets them housing, jobs, clothes, whatever it is that they need. So when they're released out into Kane County, they have something right now that is you know again it's one of those things people may see that and just scroll past it that's really big that's really big because if you're not operating under the assumption that everybody who spent time in the department of corrections is a criminal then you have to remember that whoever that person was went through an experience that wasn't pleasant, now they're coming back to society. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what's really important is that when you start to um, integrate them back into society, and I've seen Ron Hain, like Ron Hain at the same time is making those inroads with the community, laying the foundation, seeing who's got a job, non-barrier employment, Judy Dawson, so many things, Mm -hmm. so many things to get that person ready to go. Um, Ron has put it, his own cell phone out there. Hey, if, any, if anybody's hiring, call me. That's big. That's big, man. It takes, that's, that's the kind of stuff it takes. Like, you have to get off that pedestal to come down and help people where they're at. Go ahead, Nanny. 
I want to add to that. I, both Daryl and I have both worked inside of uh, the Kane County Jail. Uh, I did MRT, which is moral recognition therapy, as well as my program, Dream Scribers. And one thing that I can say is a constant with all of the individuals I worked with was trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. All of them. And they were all talented. And I have great things to say about all of them Mm -hmm. as well. And it is very strange to see the assistance from law enforcement, right? Because it's it's somewhat oxymoronic. Like, hey, you guys supposed to be taking them to jail, not helping them. But you do have to understand that some won't be in there all the time. So their experience Mm -hmm. incarcerated is very, very important, and it directly corresponds with the experience that they have once they're released. Right. Why is it so bad that they want to help people so that they don't rob us or yeah. steal? It's the, well, it's the, you know, it's the, that's exactly. It's the stigma. That's, what, the that's stigma what I'm getting the, at. That's, yeah, it doesn't make sense yep. when you really yep. think about it. So what the police are wanting to help people and not arrest as many individuals? That means there are less criminals. Mm-hmm. That means your community is more safe. Right. Does it make sense? And also, too, and uh, uh, State Attorney, you've mentioned this before, um, and if you could touch on this a little bit, the financial cost of what we're talking about is a boon to Kane County. Can you talk about that a little bit? It is. So the less, less individuals that go through our system means we're not paying to do that. When a person is arrested, obviously you have an officer who's making that arrest. That person brings a person back to the jail. So let's say it's here in Aurora. There are people in the jail who are monitoring them. They're then transported over to my court system. Then in the courtroom, you're going to have a prosecutor, the public defender, the judge, bailiffs, court security, a ton of individuals. When you lessen all of that, you can take those resources that were used for traditional arrest and prosecution and put them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. This idea that we can have this coexisting model of law enforcement and social work together is exactly where we should be. So um, we talk about the program that they have in Elgin, and Aurora has something similar where they go out with social workers Mm -hmm. when there is an overdose call or a mental health call or something where it seems like you need both that response. And that's exactly what we should do. And the more we do that, the less money we pump into our system. In addition to that, I think the last study shown showed that it costs over $50,000 a year to house an individual in the Department of Corrections. When I first started giving this speech, I saw $23,000. So if it's going up that much, think about that. We are paying to house a person. Whereas programming like this is teaching them how to be productive members of society. With Sheriff Haynes' programs in the jail, we have taken people whose next step was the prison, gave them an opportunity to be out in our community and prove that what they learned in the jail could be used out here. And we've had some fantastic success mm-hmm. stories with people like an individual named Porfirio who... I was just thinking about him. He, amazing. I was just thinking about him. I was just thinking about him. Yes, so Porfirio is a person who was in for three different felony cases. He was delivering drugs to undercovers because he had, not knowingly to undercovers, obviously, but he had an addiction issue that he couldn't get a hold of, and because it got worse, he started to sell. Now, is it right? Absolutely not. When he was in the jail, he did every programming he could possibly do. He taught others. He mentored others. He cooked while he was in there. We released him um, on bond, 
and he continued to do the same thing. He actually opened up his own business. He gives back to the community. He goes to the jail to try to inspire inmates mm-hmm. to take a new path. Porfirio now has no charges against them because they were all dismissed because of the work he did, but it all started with the opportunity he was given. That's awesome. Um, time is um, 9.57 a.m., so we are going to start wrapping this up, and as we do uh, traditionally on the show, we have great guests like these. We're going to allow for some uh, final words and some final thoughts. But before we get into that, I want to remind people that um, everything that we're talking about today, all this information can be found on the Kane County State's Attorney's website, also the Sheriff uh, Kane County Sheriff's Office website as well. Please feel free to follow both of them on Facebook and also on Instagram to learn more about everything that we're talking about today. And also a kudos to all of the members of the Kane County Collaborative Diversion Team. Lastly, um, Good Morning Aurora is proud to feature a monthly discussion with the Kane County State's Attorney's Office, um, and we talk about a myriad of topics, including the DUI courts as well. So, uh, last words, we're going to pass it, but we're going to end on Jamie. So, because we got to do that. All right, (laughs) Daryl, last words for you, sir, last words. If we reduce the stigma, we will do that by increasing the knowledge surrounding substance use and mental health. Right. Um, I will say that I have been in this role very pleasantly surprised on how open and willing law enforcement has been for this initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, My last words would be both sides for the community. Empower yourselves and learn. Not everything is going to be handed Mm -hmm. to you as far as information. However, the information is out there. So become empowered and learn about what's going on in your community and what can affect you. If you want to make change, it starts at the bottom. So vote more for your locally elected officials if you want to see change and and differences. And don't be afraid to speak your voice. On the flip side, the same thing. Learn more. If you're dealing with a demographic that you're not informed about, Learn more about them if yeah. you have to work with them. That's very important for us to go along to get along. Right. So just learn more and become empowered. There's no one stopping you but but you. That's right. That's right. So we've become, in my opinion, a very vocal and opinionated community, mm-hmm. and we like to point out the flaws in everything. And I have started this program uh, for, we're about a couple years into it right now. I had a great partner in Sheriff Hain. I had a great partner in the Elgin Police Department. And then this has only grown when we included the community and fantastic people. If you're watching this and you think this is the dumbest idea ever, come to my office. Because what I want to do is I want to sit you down with the case managers who work with these individuals, and they are going to give you the most inspirational stories of people that they have helped get out of the system. And they're going to tell you individuals who aren't coming back in just because we help them. Sometimes with as little as getting them a a homeless individual who lost all of his identification, helping him apply for a Social Security card, then his driver's license so he could get a job, he could get housing, and now he's no longer homeless. We have helped people who were struggling with addiction issues and they lost their kids to the system and we were helping them get on the path towards sobriety and they were reunited with their families. We help people apply to go to college because they just didn't have a parent there to assist with them and then they're on that path. 
So when you think something doesn't work, come check it out first. Come find out what's happening. Come with ideas because I bet your ideas can also make this program better. Mm -hmm. I'm always willing to listen and learn, and I love talking to people because I will always find something better. Somebody will say something, and I'm like, we have to have that in our program. We have to do this. But instead of just saying it's not going to work, be a part of the solution because when you become a part of the solution, we're just going to have a much better community by working together. And as you said from the beginning, by remembering everyone is a human being and everyone deserves respect. That's right. If not you, who? And if not now, when? Um, yeah, things, things change so much for the better. It takes time. Uh, Jamie, I remember, I remember when I first started going to, the, to your office mm -hmm. at the Kane County Judicial Center. You, know, you walk in, got the, the guys, put, you know, metal detector, put your thing in the, right? Now when I go there... Kirk, good morning, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's way it different. It is way different. How you doing, man? Oh, yeah, put your stuff in here. Um, all right, the time is 10.01. Peter Aguilera, good morning. Well, this was a um, uh, fantastic discussion once again with our partners of Kane County Law Enforcement, the State's Attorney's Office, and um, Sheriff's Office, and also uh, Mr. Daryl Paz here as well in Talented 10 Social Services. Thank you guys very much for watching. Tomorrow, our sister program, Buenos Dias Aurora, will be live. One of our guests from the community will be doing the weather for us on Good Morning Aurora, and Good Morning Aurora will return on Friday with more news, more weather, and the very best of Aurora. Take care of yourself and each other. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m.